1: Hi everybody, welcome to Mel Tucker's Inside Zone, our weekly podcast here at the University of Colorado. I'm voice of the boss, Mark Johnson, along with Mel Tucker. Do you, you want to introduce our guest this week? I'm, I'm really, I <laughs> would like to, but I'm not sure if I'm qualified to do that. Right, the, the, the gentleman <laughs> joining us today, played in, in one of the great periods in CU history, uh, Jim Hanson. He was a lineman for Bill McCartney, won the Campbell Award in 1992, which is uh, the academic Heisman essentially. And Mel and I were joking, Jim, before you were coming on with us here, we said if we added up our IQs, we're not sure we're matching you. So welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you. And all we ask is don't make us feel silly today. I'll do the best (laughs) I can. No problem. (laughs) (laughs) Now, folks, you can remember you, obviously, but but kind of bring us up to date what you're doing now. You're doing some fascinating, fascinating work.
2: Oh, well, thank you for for saying so. So I've got my trajectory since I left Colorado back in 93. I went off to Oxford. I was a Rhodes Scholar. I spent uh, seven, eight years there getting Mm -hmm. my Ph.D. Very nearly stayed. Uh, but had the opportunity to come back to the United States and took a faculty position at MIT. And so I was doing my faculty thing, writing papers and training students and teaching classes, having a great time, and had the opportunity to take a sabbatical out to an organization called the Naval Research Laboratory, um, the Marine Meteorology Division in Monterey, California. And uh, got out there, and I really, I just loved the location. I loved the science that they were doing. And I spent my six months of backle trying to make a position for myself there. It was successful. Um, went back. I quit MIT and then went out to Monterey. I've been there for about thirteen years now, which is the longest mm. I've been anywhere. I think. Right. And I worked my way up. You know, uh, no good deed goes unpunished. I yeah, did a bunch of science. <laughs> a lot of great science stories I could tell you if you're, you're interested. It's, science for the Navy is is really special. You know, it's huh. it's it's doing atmospheric science, but it's applying it to things that the Navy cares about. So, for example, piracy i worked the piracy problem, I've worked drug interdiction, I work uh, anti-submarine warfare, things like that. And, wow. and people in the division do. So now I, I run the place now. I'm, I'm, I'm the head of the place. And, you know, so we, we work real hard to try to understand the, the atmosphere and ocean environment better okay. so that we can better simulate it, better predict it, and help the warfighter make better decisions and keep us all safe.
1: Wow. And I, I talk about
2: football, and he coaches it. That's what we do. That, that's, that's what we do. <laughs> Don't say yourself short, gentlemen. Don't say yourself short. You know, I think of, Coach, I think of my job very similar to your job. So, you know, my kind of um, mission statement, if you like, is, you know, I, I see my role as trying to help my scientists and help the um, uh, support staff uh, achieve more than they'd be able to achieve on their own, mm-hmm. right, sure. to um, help them realize the, the the beauty and the value of of selflessly working together towards a common goal, right? To yep. to help them be uh, responsible, and to help them change change the world for the better. Hmm. And I think you do something very similar here at CU with these young men.
3: Yeah, that's what we try to do, and uh, it's a huge responsibility, but it's a lot, it's a lot of fun. What what's the um, what are some of the differences like working in the private sector as opposed to doing government type of work?
2: Oh. Well, I would love to be able to answer that question, but I've never worked in the private sector, <laughs> so I have absolutely no idea. I could I could speak to the I could speak to the joys of working for the government. Right. What, what uh, are they? Yeah. So uh, I think the I, so I'm all about service. I've mm-hmm. always been. I was an of lineman for heaven's sake. Yes. So, so you know yeah. you get used to turning on ESPN after a really great game and. You know where your your running back had two hundred yards, and they talk about the running back getting two hundred right. yards. They don't yeah. talk about the lineman. You have to be selfless, <laughs> right? So yeah. you got to be selfless, and so that's always been my gig. I'm, a, yeah. I'm I'm all about service, and I think working for the government is perfect for that. You don't get rich working for the government, but you have a very comfortable life, uh, and you really do have the opportunity to make an impact. And so for me, um, I just love being on the inside. I'm working on problems that are no kidding, helping keep the country safe, and, hmm. and it it makes it really easy to get out of bed in the morning. Um, you know, it, it makes me feel like, you know,
1: the things that I'm doing has value. Yeah. Jim, how does somebody now, – now, I'm going to get into stereotypes here for a moment, moment, okay? People think of athletes and that, you know, we're just big brutes and, you know, we run out and run into each other and on, on, and on, on. For a guy who has always been involved in cerebral things, how, how do you balance that with being a guy that ran into people for, you know, four years yeah, ago? Yeah, that is, that is a really great question. I, I, I sort of
2: ruminate on that off and on. I think – i think that at the time when i was a player here i talked a lot about uh, having a switch and you know you got one switch where you're on the football field and you're you're very aggressive and focused then you have another switch where you're you know you're in the classroom or you're doing your homework and stuff like that but now with perspective um you you do have to isolate those worlds but i think the the skill sets are very similar it's Hmm. about um you know it's about you know grit and grind Right. Sure. It's about uh, working together as a team. You know, so if it's, you know, on your offensive line or on the football field or if it's with your, your group of friends that you're studying with, you know, trying to figure out something, you know, some hard problem. Uh, it's it's really it's really the same skill set. It's about relationships, hmm. you know, relationships with your teammates, relationships with your classmates. Um so really it's it's all the same thing. I was just lucky, I guess, genetically lucky, yeah. Um, that I had the ability
1: to to do to excel at both things. The the big difference would be you don't have bad knees from doing what you do now. Oh Jesus. <laughs> so true. Bad bad knees, bad shoulder, bad back. Yes,
2: that's true. But you know, I'd do it all again in a heartbeat. Yeah. Absolutely worth it.
3: Jim, I would assume that you you did fairly well academically in high school. Mm-hmm. So um how'd you choose C U? Uh
2: what a great question. So I love telling this story. Thank you.
3: You're the, welcome.
2: Um, so back in the day, huh. you know, I hear stories about how recruiting is done now. Um, uh, back in the day, it was done very differently, you know. And I remember uh, these uh, postcards would get mailed out. And you'd put out your name, rank, serial number, you know, on it kind of thing. And then you'd mail them back, and you'd find your way into some database or something right. like that. And so, okay, so I'd get these, and I'd fill them out. And, I, and it sort of my routine was I'd get home, and my mom would have – you know this pile for me on the on the kitchen table, and I'd grab it. I'd go to the bathroom. I'd sit down, do my business, and uh, <laughs> flip through them. And it, there's a trash can right right next to me, right? So I'm like, <laughs> okay, I'll do this one. No, I won't do that one. Yet. And I remember going, huh, the Golden Buffaloes. never heard of the Golden Buffaloes. And I, I threw it in the trash.
1: Now, remind people where you grew up. Oh, Don't I'm sorry. This contact. is in Seattle, Washington, See, yeah, right. back
2: in. So yeah. this would have been like 1987 or something. Okay. Wow. Um, I didn't think anything of it. Uh, Well, it turns out, unbeknownst to me, my mom would follow me into the bathroom and uh, would go through the trash and take everything in there that I had thrown away. And she would fill it out herself and mail it back. And so then just one day out of the blue, I got a call from a recruiter here at the University of Colorado. I'm like, oh, how did you get my details? Um, Long story short, that was uh, Coach Lucas, Coach Oliver Lucas. And uh, he found out that I was really interested in aerospace engineering. I was, oh, by the way. I was going to go to Stanford or Princeton. That was it. All right, Stanford or Princeton. We we
3: we beat Stanford and Princeton. Yeah, (laughs) I know. I love it. I love it. Yeah, (laughs) Stanford (laughs) or Princeton. It's a recruiting tape right here, by the way. Exactly. But
2: uh, Coach Lucas said, "Hey, we've got a great aerospace program," and I and I uh, investigated it, and sure enough, fabulous program. So I put it on the list for a trip. And Hmm. you know, I'd never been to the mountains, so I wanted to see the mountains. Sure. And so, you know, the story goes, and, of course, everybody who's played has a recruiting story, right? But I went out to uh, Stanford. I really didn't like the coach. I really didn't like the players. Hmm. I went out to um, Princeton, and I think I went to Dartmouth, too. And there was just – there was no – it wasn't a real program. And I came out to Colorado, and I'm not joking. Uh, you know, within hours of being here, I knew this was the place for me. Uh, wow! You know, I got to see the the, you know, the the way that the athletic department was integrated with these guys over at the engineering center, Dave Clough and Steve Chapra. And I got you know they 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 respected the fact that I was really interested in academics. Wow! And and athletics, and of course, Coach Mac is you know the world's greatest closer. So <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about that. <laughs> He'll tell you that, right? Yeah. yeah. That, so that's that my story. Yeah. So
1: it became an easy decision from there. on. It was. Yeah. It's
2: like so many things in life. So many things in life are serendipitous and obvious. So, but it's you know, if I had um, if I had limited myself, or if, you know, thankfully my mom helped me not limit myself, but I'd limit myself, so I never would have come out, and I never would have hmm. known. And when I talk to young scientists or high school kids or college kids, it's that's a story I like to tell. Is you can't expect as a youngster, you can't expect to know really where you want to be and what you want to do, what's going to make you happy. You can have a good idea about it, but you always want to be thinking about it and, and looking at new opportunities because if I look back on my life, every major event can be traced to some serendipitous yeah.
1: moment. Isn't that truth?
2: Yeah, it's just crazy. Mm-hmm.
3: When, while you were a player here, um, you're balancing academics, athletics. Now, when did you find time to, to study?
2: Oh, I studied all the time. I was fabulous at time management. In fact, I had an easier time maintaining my grades in season than out of season. Hmm, Because when it was in season, if there was a spare moment, I mean 15 minutes, I was sitting down and cracking a book. Um, Whereas in the off season, you feel like, oh, I've got all this time. I'm going to, you know, I could take a break. And then you kind of end up behind the curve and having to catch up. But that's another one where the program was really super supportive of me. They, uh, you know, we'd go on away games. Um, they would give me breaks on team events and things like that so I could be in my room and study and mm. um, study on the airplanes, study, you know, <laughs> between getting taped and going out on the field, just any time that you could. But it's, you know, that was something that was very important to me. Well, it sure. was very important to me to excel in the football field. It was very important to me for, to excel in the classroom because I could do both. Mm. And I didn't want to uh, shortchange myself in, in either.
1: You think of the time you were here from 1989 to 1992. Mm. There might not have been a better four-year stretch yeah. ever in this program. It was one of those serendipitous things. Yeah, worked out wonderfully for you. <laughs> That's right. not why I came. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: guarantee you that was not on the agenda in '88. Think of this:
1: uh, <laughs> when Jim was here, they went 39-6 and three, won three Big Eight titles, mm-hmm. and a national championship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? As much as you study mm. and and kind of analyze everything, what made that team great? Obviously, talent. You know, but but a lot of teams have talent. What made that group special?
2: Yeah. So when I look back on it now, through the prism of of, of my role in life now in my organization, um, I, yes, you had to have the talent. But I think it was the there was a very special alignment of leadership here at the university at the time. So you had Coach Mack, who you know who just gotten a real vote of confidence from from the university after having a not a great year, and they came back and they extended him. Um, you had Bill Marolt. Fabulous man, you know, great coach in his own right as athletic director, and then you had Gordon Gee as the president then, who you know, who understood and valued um, uh, scholar athletes and athletic programs. And I, I, personally believe, looking back, that it was it was those three individuals working together uh, that provided the environment that allowed us
3: to be successful. You know, so many of the players um, that we coach now have uh, visions of and dreams of playing in, in the NFL. Hmm. Did you have any of those aspirations? None.
2: I had no desire to play in the NFL. Mm -hmm. I was, for me, I loved football. Loved it. Um, But it really was a means to an end for me. Hmm. And even if I hadn't, and when I got the Rhodes Scholarship, it was a very easy decision uh, to go off to Oxford rather than to extend my playing career. But, um, you know, I didn't even, I went to all those all-star games and stuff like that, and, Mm -hmm. and I didn't even bother meeting with, agents or or Hmm. GMs or Mm -hmm. coaches or I didn't go to the combine because it just wasn't something that was interesting to me I'd heard a lot of stories from folks who saying yeah it becomes more like a business and and you know I played for the joy of it I played because I love my teammates and and I look back I'm sure anybody who's played will tell the exact same story is that I don't remember any of the games really I mean I remember some of the outcomes but I remember the feeling of, of being around my teammates and and uh, sweating and working together and achieving something together. Um, and I've been trying my whole life uh, to replicate that.
1: Right. And it's hard to find outside of it athletics, is so isn't it? It its so
2: hard. I mean, the closest i found is my family. We work right. – you know, I mean, all of us, of mm-hmm. course, yeah. have that in our family. But trying to manufacture that in academia with your research group or now as the head of a lab trying to, you know, instill that culture in the lab, it's really hard. Football is really special, yeah. I right? think, as a, as a sport – all sports are special, but I think football in particular, you know, with its, you know, kind of the con- combat aspect of it, the size of the team, not just on the field, but on the sidelines, really is conducive to that. You know that that sense of togetherness and accomplishing something as a group.
1: You just said something that I, I think you know. We're obviously in a in a world in college athletics right now, where you know the legislation in California and, and how things are changing. Mm. But you said something that I think is important for for young men and women who compete in college athletics to understand. You said it was a means to an end. Mm. So you came here with the idea I'm going to play football, which I love. Mm-hmm. But because I'm going to a great academic institution, I've got opportunities yep. that are going to fulfill me and expand me and impact me for decades from here, right? That is absolutely correct.
2: And if I hadn't gone to Oxford, I would have gone to a Ph.D. program at some other great institution mm-hmm. because of the education that I got here and because of the sort of the lessons I learned through athletics. And I will say this, that you know, I, I'm not around college athletes a lot anymore. Um, however, if, I, if, if any of them are listening now, um, the thing that I would try to pass on is is having competed at a high level, at a great institution like the University of Colorado, you're at, in a you've put yourself in a great position to enter the workforce. So as somebody who hires people now, I'm looking for people with attributes that athletes have, that high performing scholar mm-hmm. athletes have. You need to, you know, know how to work together as a team. You've got to uh, work hard, work as hard as you can all the time. You've got to do the right thing. That's right. Yeah, know, um, and you've got to uh, be willing to be part of something that's bigger than yourself. Mm. And that's what makes, at least in my organization, which makes it a, a successful employee and somebody who could take the organization, you know, in brand new places. Uh, and that's, that's what all of your, all your guys are like that. That's you right. know? So, the, And I, I would like <laughs> them to understand that they're really in a good spot having gone mm. through the program.
3: You mentioned, you also mentioned the word culture, and mm. that's, that's a huge word for mm. us here. What are some of the things that you've Felt like you had to do to instill the type of culture you wanted to have at the wow. at the lab. <laughs> <laughs> you
2: mean the things I've tried and failed and continue to try? All of the above. Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, man. You know it's. Uh, so, I'll tell, I'm i going to answer that story with a little start. I'll answer that question with a bit of a story. Um, so, I had the, um, I've been blessed to be some pretty special places. So, I was blessed to be associated with this organization when it was very high performing. I was blessed to get to uh, go off to the University of Oxford and get a degree. I was blessed to be able to be a, a, a professor at MIT, blessed to get to work for the, the Navy, be a civil servant, and get back. Mm-hmm. Those are all wonderful things. Um, each step along the way, you know, I, I've I've looked around and I'm like, man, I wish I could bottle whatever culture, whatever that essence was here at Colorado. I wish I could bottle that and take it somewhere else. I wish I could bottle the, um, you know, the, how would you describe it? I say at MIT, there is this expectation of excellence that was... You could interpret it as hubris a little bit, mm-hmm. you know. Maybe they thought a little bit more of themselves than they deserve, but it didn't matter because because they thought sure. so highly of themselves and themselves and the organization, they achieved things they wouldn't be able to achieve otherwise. Something I've I've learned being in the Navy now, which is not one of those. It's cool. I, oh, you gotta be careful. The <laughs> Navy is full of fabulous men and women, very mm-hmm. high performing men and women. Um, but it is it is a very heavy bureaucracy and it's part of a very sure. heavy bureaucracy sure yep. and because of that you've got a lot of friction uh, that you don't have elsewhere. You don't mm-hmm. have an academia which is also very bureaucratic but nothing like the DoD. Um, so I wish I knew and the people who work in my organization are you know the smart ones are just as smart as anybody I run into at MIT or at Oxford or here um, but there isn't that culture of excellence that expectation of excellence mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so, I message it all the time in a myriad of different ways, and I shine a light on those who are, um, you know, doing things the right way and taking mm-hmm. us in directions, you know, that we wouldn't be able to go otherwise. Um, we try to celebrate the individual when they do great things and shine a light. We try to celebrate teams uh, and point out that, you know, we couldn't have done this without these folks working together. And so I, I kind of think of it as a, you know, a thousand small things and, and consistency of message. And you're just really trying to be supportive of my scientists, of so the scientists in my group, and um, helping them achieve what they don't—we didn't realize they could achieve.
1: There's an interesting lesson—not not just for what you do, but but from an athletic standpoint about setting expectations, mm-hmm. and, and where you know for a football coach, Bill McCarty obviously set an expectation. Mm-hmm. You guys rose mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. You can do that in private sector in your world. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's kind of human nature, isn't it? Yeah. Well, and it's, it's, there's another
2: part to it. I think the expectation piece is easy. You know, it's easy to say, Hey, let's be excellent. Um, it's the accountability piece that's hard. Amen. Right. Yeah. Uh, The accountability piece is where the real work is and how do you put, um, process in place to ensure accountability and how do you, um, coach to accountability, right? You, you don't, you got to be careful not to tear people down, but you got to make them sh- make sure that they understand that maybe they're not making the mark and that that they can do better. No, you go right. back and you need to do better and hold them accountable. That's a very hard thing to do, and it's yeah. and it takes a it that in itself takes a team, no doubt, right? If we, you and I can sit yeah. at the top and we can say that all we want, right. but if our if our assistant coaches aren't messaging it, you know, if the leaders on the team aren't messaging it, and if the players and and scientists aren't holding themselves accountable, you, you're not going to get
3: it. There's no doubt. I mean you gotta be all on the same page, united front uh-huh. to get the message across. Yeah. You also mentioned the word bureaucracy and um so I'm I'm just very interested in politics. Oh you know, but I don't want <laughs> I don't wanna put you on the spot. Just a general question. Sure. Um does it matter with the uh in the lab and the navy, uh, who uh who's in office, who's in a Republican, Democrat, yeah. Democrat. Does it matter?
2: Yeah. So, um, something I'm really proud of is being part of the Department of Defense. And what I've I've observed is that um, you know the mission of the Department of Defense is to keep us all safe. Mm-hmm. And there are amazing men and women um, at very high levels in the organization who um, you know, are not deterred uh, by anything that's going on in the executive branch. Mm. And our, our laser focused on keep on doing what's necessary to keep us all safe. And and we have the exact same uh, views in my organizations. We 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 know exactly what we need to do as an organization to help the warfighter, um, and to help keep the country safe. And that's what we pay attention to. That's what we talk about. And there's all kinds of winds buffeting around, you know, that that's trying to distract you. Um, but that that's got nothing to do with us. Mm. You know, that's that's. You know, we we really try hard to ignore that
1: stuff. That's that's another athletic mindset, oh, right? Good one. What, I didn't even consider right? that. One. <laughs> Th- yes, think about absolutely. what what coaches talk about, right? Control what you can control, yeah. right? and and don't worry about the stuff that's, that's outside of your sphere of influence, right? right? Yeah, yeah. Know what you're trying to achieve. I
2: mean, I, it's so much of the stuff is cliche, coach, right? I mean, that's, that's one right. of the challenges I yeah. think of as a leader that you you start. Having experienced, I think we've both experienced yes. all the, the the wonderful things that can happen um, when you work together as a team and all the rest, and everybody's accountable and holding one another accountable. But when we get to the top and we start saying those things, it comes right. out as cliche. Right. And but it's so true. Mm-hmm. And so you know, I'm always looking for different ways um, to tell the message to say, look, you know, th- th- that these things are really, really important. And if we can buy into them and we've and we understand where we're trying to go and why. And we all work together to try to get there. We can do amazing things, Hmm. whether it's as scientists or in in industry or as a football team.
1: Right. What do you think back to your time here? I mean, like we said, it's a great period of time to be here. And you talked about the camaraderie and kind of that that atmosphere that is almost intoxicating. Give give us a memory, though, that stands out. Something you think (sighs) back and go, man, that that was a great moment or a great play or a great time or whatever it might be.
2: Uh, Good question. You know, it's – I could probably, you, if you gave me a minute, I could probably come up with a number of them. But the mm. one, uh, that it, it's sort of a, a series of events that culminates in a single image. And I might get emotional doing this
1: one. Okay. So, okay, so right. bear with me. Um, we're a supportive group here. Okay, <laughs> okay, we're fine. I'm, I'm in a safe place. I'm <laughs> yeah. looking around the room. Although safe- Lance Curl just walked in. I'm not sure about <laughs> that. <laughs> hey, no judgment. no judgment. But it's,
2: You know, when I got here, our coach was mm-hmm. Um and And, you know, if you're here sal really was the leader of the team i mean right. that, he was a great man
1: we, we just had by the way the, the anniversary of his death here just yeah. very short time ago and um yeah i might have to
2: cuddle up with this <laughs> and um when you're you know 18 to 22 you are immortal and you, when you're 18 22 in athletics yes. you're immortal yeah. right indestructible and uh when sal got sick you know, at least I'll speak for myself, there's a lot of, you know, denial, you know, all the stages of grief, like, no way, kind of thing. Ah, oh, he'll get better, he's tough, da-da-da. Sure. But over the course of time, watching him, you know, kind of wither away, I mean, he fought the whole way, but watching him wither away and sticking with the team and all that sort of stuff, and he'd always be up, you know, the games, he'd be up in the Dow Ward Center there, and we'd all point up to him during the game.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. And, uh And then I remember when he passed, I think it was, we had a bye week, and then we went off to the University of Washington.
1: That's right. Oh, there it is. There's the photo right Where behind I, you. Yeah, You're at in Mel's Conference somewhere. Room. Exactly yeah. right. And yeah.
2: I remember that so vividly. Of gathering in the middle of Husky Stadium there and getting yep. down on a knee yep. and pointing up to south. And I still I'm getting goosebumps and teary right now just hmm. thinking about it. Hmm. Yeah. And but Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. So uh just I had a whole bunch of family in the in the stands that right. day. And, and as but,
1: Jim is speaking right now, that that photo of the team pointing the breast box there in Seattle is right behind Jim, right? Yeah, yeah.
2: And yeah. it's, I mean, it, to me, it comes back. I mean, part of it is just uh, being young and, and realizing you're getting a taste of mortality. Right. But I think the bigger part of that is all those guys. We were feeling the exact same thing together at the mm. same time. Yeah. And where do you get that? Where else do you get that? Hundred men. That's right. Hundred men. Yeah. Um, rallying around together and supporting one another. It's, yeah. It's very cool. So the, that's that's my story. That's my
1: that's impactful. That's impactful.
3: Yeah. From from the outside looking in to the CU football program right now, um, kind of what do you see? What are your expectations? You know, what would you like to see? Uh, kind of what's the feel of it sure. for you?
2: Yeah, thanks for asking. I mean, well, let me start by saying uh, uh, I'm deeply unqualified to make any <laughs> assessment of the quality of the team, the quality of the coaching, the the – play selection, anything like that. We finally found something Jim's not qualified to do. <laughs> How about that? Finally. I, wouldn't, I would not. In this on tape, we got to record it, yeah, right? We are. I would not dream of, of second-guessing the coaching staff. Uh, as somebody who, who leads and, and tries to lead, I, I know that everybody's doing the best job that they can. Right. I'm trying really hard. Um, so when I watch the team play this season, what I love is that uh, they don't give up. And it can be, you know, late third quarter, and it yeah. doesn't matter. They don't give up. Yeah. And for me, that is that's that just for me looking back, that's far more important and impactful than whether or not we win the game or not. It's for me mm-hmm. looking back, what I want to see you do mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, build, you know, compassionate, um, loving, successful men. Right. Um, and that's the measure of success. That matters so much more than wins or losses to me. I know that the Regents don't feel that way. I know <laughs> that many fans don't feel so that way. Uh, but I wish more people understood that that's where the value lies. And that's your, in my view, hmm. that's your real value as the head coach is, is you know building men to make the world a better place.
1: But, Mel, if you think about it, if you build men like that, they make great teammates, they compete hard, they mm-hmm. battle hard. And a lot of wins and follow.
2: That's right. It, it yeah. falls out. That's right. It, yeah. it comes naturally mm-hmm. um, is exactly the way that I look at it.
3: Um, the winning will take care of itself. Well, I'll tell you what, that's why I came back to college football after being you – know, I was eight years in college ball, then I went ten years in the NFL mm-hmm. – I really felt a calling where I needed to come back to college and do exactly what you just talked about.
2: Yeah, well, and I want if I make if I can turn the tables real mm-hmm. quick. I wanted to ask you uh, questions about you know kind of what were the lessons you learned or what were the things that you took away? One or two top things you took away of your time So your last. You were last with the Bears, right? Yep, that was so, my. So the most recent, your last couple of years with the Bears. What did you take away from that experience? Um,
3: control what you can control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, that's really that's huge because here in college ball, in terms of acquiring players and and uh, you know talent and recruiting, you know we identify the players, mm-hmm. um, we evaluate them in high school, and then we recruit them, we sign them, we coach them, mm-hmm. and all the way through to the NFL or graduation or whatever it is. In the NFL, it's not like that, you know. You coach. The personnel department, the GM, the scouts, uh-huh. they pick the players and they say, okay, here you go, get it done. Uh-huh. And so that's, uh, you know, after being at places like LSU, Michigan State, Ohio State, and recruiting, you know, first-round picks every year, and you go to the NFL, it's totally different. Uh-huh. You have to say, okay, this is my this is my job, uh-huh. okay, um, I'm going to be held accountable to do the best I can with these guys, uh-huh. get the most out of them, and, and really ex- accept that. Uh, one of the other things that I learned, and this really helped me over the years is that in the NFL, you have a wide range of um, experience with players. So I could be coaching Julius Peppers, who's been in the league twelve years and is you know making fifteen million dollars a year, and right next to him, I could be coaching a guy who's a undrafted rookie for agent, that's making you know rookie mm-hmm. minimum. Mm-hmm and um, you can't coach them all the same mm-hmm. but you have to be fair mm-hmm. in order to, to have the respect of all the players yes and so as long as you fa- you're fair with them um you've got a shot to coach them and you know people always ask me you know how how do you coach guys that make more money than you how do you coach guys that are your same age how do you coach these these you know these millionaire guys and uh my in my experience the the guys who were the best players, who made the most money, uh, the difference makers—those were the easiest guys to coach.
2: Ah, hmm. uh, interesting.
3: They were the easiest guys to coach because they—they were the high-high achievers. You know, they wanted to be—they the, wanted to be the best. And if you could help them be better, if you could help them stay in the league, yeah. they wanted all the coaching that that you could give them. Right. It was the the marginal guy, the average guy, the guy who thought that he was that he was better than he was those were the guys where you really had to have a plan every day how you're going to deal with them because they just didn't get it, you know? I love that, yeah. Jim, you're, you're nodding your head. Are you finding the same <laughs> thing? As- I,
2: I'll bet there are, are any any leader listening to this podcast is going, oh, yeah. 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 I totally get that. Yeah. Um, so let me ask you this question, if I may follow up. No, go ahead. So, ahead. so did you find um, – did you get a bigger return on investment by giving – you know, paying more attention to the high achievers um, – which I presume meant you had to give them relatively little given that where they were or investing in the low to mediocre performers. Does that does my question make sense? Like, yeah, it where makes did a you, lot of sense. Yeah, where did you focus your efforts?
3: Um, in my philosophy is that you really had to do a great job at the bottom of the roster mm-hmm. um, because you're only as strong as your weakest link. Mm-hmm. And – um, the, the high achievers, they really pay attention to how you treat the other guys. Ah. They pay attention. You know, you, you, they want, they don't like it when you try to pick on a guy that's not a really mm-hmm. good player or pick on a rookie, that type mm-hmm. of deal. You know, it's all about respect and, and being professional. Um, but, um, you know, the high achievers um, and the best players, I mean, they needed a lot of work as well because, I mean, it's hard to stay at that level, you know, and maintain that and the consistency that, that we talk about. But those guys towards the bottom of the roster, um, and that's really, um, really, that's the bulk of your team, mm-hmm. you know, because people think that everyone in the NFL is a millionaire. But there's typically seven to ten guys on a 53-man roster that are making a million dollars or more. Mm-hmm. The rest of the guys are minimum guys. Wow. Right? So, um, and you you make your name as a coach uh, in the NFL with the GMs and the owners, what Based upon what you can do with those other guys, mm. you know, because it's it's a it's a salary cap, you know. So can you get a guy that was maybe a late round pick or or a free agent? Can you get him to play at a starter level or sufficient backup level? Mm-hmm. And I mean that's that's kind of that's better for everyone if you can do that. Oh, that's
2: super interesting. Mm. That, that's, that's some insight. I guess it's obvious when you say it now, yeah. uh, but I had no
1: idea. I just decided I'm more interested in Jim's interview of you than I am of our interview of him. <laughs> what do you
3: think of that? I'm, I'm honored to be interviewed by him. I mean, it's like <laughs> Jim. How often do how often <laughs> you get back? Do you get
1: back? I know, you and I've crossed paths before, but how often do you get back for back a to game? Boulder? Yeah.
2: Oh, I get back well uh, quite frequently actually. Yeah. So, um, so my science is atmospheric science, and uh, here in in Boulder is the National Centers for Atmospheric sure. Research, which is a world class mm-hmm. research institution. So. I get back. Um, you know, we have science meetings here. I was just on an advisory panel for one of the groups up there. I think I'm coming back in a month for another advisory okay. panel. So I get back quite often. I try to kick around the athletic department, say hi to the folks who've been around for 30 <laughs> years or so, and for, in one form or another, um, it's great. Um, it's great to great, get back and, and say hi to folks. But well, I tell you
1: what, man, the traffic in Boulder <laughs> little different. <laughs> little different than 1992. Yeah, yeah. Something tells me you can come back to talk to the fellas anytime, right? You, you
3: you're always welcome. <laughs> oh well, to come thank back you, Coach. And, Appreciate and, and, that. And talk to the team. Before we let you go, I I can't I can't resist. I got I have one like special question I have to yeah, ask you. I'm ready. In your bio here it says uh, graduated CU with a 3.94 GPA in aerospace engineering. Uh-huh. Had six A's and one B plus. uh A minus. Six A minus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. And one B plus. Yep. Can you tell me about that B-plus? I can.
2: There's a great story about that (laughs) B-plus.
3: Does it still stick in your craw a little bit? No. No?
2: Well, it was a great lesson. Okay. It was a great lesson. Um, So the story goes like this. I was, oh, man, that was like junior or senior year of undergrad. Maybe that was my spring of my junior year. I was taking a dynamics class. It was in dynamics. Uh um, You might have to explain to us
1: what dynamics uh,
2: is. It's a pretty hefty um, engineering science class. Okay, all right. And I was taking the class and um, I was doing just fine. I was, I was, I think if I, well, I was doing just fine, but I didn't feel like I was learning anything. Hmm. Didn't feel like I was learning anything. And so I went to the uh, instructor. This was a bad move in retrospect. (laughs) (laughs) I went to the instructor and I sat down and I said, I'd like to drop your class. And he said, okay. Um, and he pulled out his grade book, you know, back in the day when everything was on paper, right? Pulled out his grade book, and he goes flipping through it, and he's looking at it, he's like, what's your name again? I said, oh, all right. Um, he said, and he's looking at his grade book, and he looks at me, and he says, you're getting the highest grade in the class. Why would you drop? Yeah. And my response <laughs> was, well, I feel like this is a really important class, and I'm not learning anything." Oh, no. Oh,
1: Jim. <laughs> For a smart guy, that wasn't a smart uh, statement. Of <laughs> so, uh, I dropped.
2: Right, I dropped. uh Yeah, exactly. Honesty bit me on that one. Yeah, I could have been more circumspect. I right. Have, yeah. So, anyways, I retook it. I don't know, a semester later or something like that. And he kind of kind got, came around and got got me. So, what happened? Well, it's a long story, but. He found a way to ding me at the end. I'd earned an A oh, in that oh, class, oh. but he said, oh, well, you got to combine what you did for me and what you do in this new class. So I uh, oh. But I like my B+. Plus. I'm proud of my B+. Are B you plus. really? Yeah. yeah. And the be- perhaps the best thing about it is it kept me off the dais at graduation. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to sit with my buddies <laughs> in the stands, which was definitely my comfort zone.
1: That's outstanding. Okay, that, now I've got one last question for you as well. There, there is a uh, urban legend. That allegedly, when Bill McCarty was switching from the option offense to Cordell's coming in, and going to throw the ball mm-hmm. a lot more, did so for the bowl game. And the, the story goes that a reporter said to Jim Hansen, Jim, Uh-oh. are you having a tough time learning this new system? And the urban legend says that a young Jim Hansen said, well, it's not rocket science, okay. and I know a little something about that. <laughs> Is there any truth to that story?
2: That does sound like something I would have said. Okay. <laughs> yeah. oh, I have no recollection of the event, <laughs> but it's consistent. Okay, it, yeah. it sounds like something you'd say.
1: This has been a lot. We could talk to him for another half hour
2: here if we he yeah, wanted to. So I think, so, yeah, Coach, you and I can have a little leadership, um, you know, best lessons huddle up after. I like it. I would love, love to do up,
3: that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I so, I so much appreciate you coming oh, on. Oh, likewise.
2: That. I really thank appreciate you. the invite. It's been, it's been wonderful spending time with you guys. Yeah,
3: Jim, thank you very
1: much. Uh, one of the great Buffs, no doubt about it. Uh, from uh, 1992, as he won the Campbell Award that year, went on to Oxford, and is doing phenomenal things, obviously, in his life. As we get set for the Buffaloes next ballgame after uh, the bye week, uh, Coach M- M- Mel Tucker and the Buffs have got the Arizona Wildcats coming to town. Good luck this weekend. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. That's a 2.30 Mountain Time kickoff, by the way, at Folsom Field. It is family weekend. Get your tickets. Get on out there. Support the Buffaloes. This game, and I know mentalists like to talk about it, but it is for as early the season, first place in the Pac-12 South as it stands right now, early on in the year. But our coverage gets underway. Gary Barnett and yours truly at 12.30 on the Colorado Football Network for uh, Jim Hanson. What an honor having him here today. For Mel Tucker, on voice of the boss Mark Johnson. Thanks for joining us this week on Mel Tucker's Inside Zone.